In advance of a spring election, Alberta's United Conservative government unveiled its latest budget, the first under Premier Danielle Smith. It's a blueprint for big spending, but is it a recipe for an election win? I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. Calgary Sun columnist Rick Bell joins me to discuss how the government hopes this fares them well on voting day, whether it leaves any room for the NDP to pick up votes, and whether it has helped the government solidify support among the public. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, even Amazon Music. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating or review and tell your friends about the show. So Rick, last week, Alberta's new finance minister, Travis Taves, unveiled his latest budget. It's the first budget under Premier Danielle Smith. And, you know, all in all, it's like a big revenue. It's a big spending, slightly big surplus. What were your initial thoughts on budget day on February 28th? I thought it was going to have big spending because there's an election on May 29th. I did not think the spending would be as heavy as it was, as big as it was, largely because because I've known Danielle Smith in the past, and she always advertises herself as deep down, very conservative, deep down an admirer of the early Ralph Klein, deep down an admirer of Margaret Thatcher, and you knew what Margaret Thatcher thought about big spending. Not very much. And there, and we knew there were billions coming from the oil patch in royalties. So I expected a bigger than usual spending budget, but not the wild spending budget that we actually saw. And I mean, on, on budget day, Finance Minister Travis Taves was suggesting that, you know, this is good fiscal plan. It's responsible. It's, you know, trying to set Alberta's fiscal house a little bit more in order. It's a balanced budget. It's a budget with a surplus. We're paying down some debt. We're putting money into the Heritage Savings Trust Fund. How does he reconcile that aspect of it with this kind of big increase in spending? I mean, there's over over the initial budget when it was presented last spring, it was something like an 11% increase. Over the fall economic update, it's maybe a 4 percent increase, but all all in all, it's still a big jump in spending. How does the finance minister, how did he last week reconcile those those two kind of competing ideals here? I hate to say this, but I think how he reconciled uh, the two competing ideals might become very irrelevant in the next few days, because I do not believe the finance minister is going to be running again. And if the finance minister, I'm not saying that happens, he could, you know, change his mind. He could not have made that as his decision. A lot of speculation is that he will be leaving the scene. Do I think everything in this budget is what he wished? He'll never say that. If he does go out, he'll go out and talk about wanting to go back to private life and being honored to serve. But if he were to leave, that might be an indication that it wasn't necessarily exactly the budget he wanted. I mean, in the end, I asked Smith this in her last availability, the oil roller coaster. We're still on it. This idea that they're putting so much money in the Heritage Savings Trust Fund, that's not true. They're only putting a sliver of money into the Heritage Savings Trust Fund. I don't think they're trying to reconcile anything. I think they probably think the following. We are scared. 
We are afraid we might lose the election. We are afraid we might lose the election because we're going to lose seats in the Calgary suburbs, seats that we hold. Let us spend money on every imaginable thing and make everyone happy. And then we will win the election and move on from there. So I I think they're not trying to recognize. I mean, yes, they have this fiscal framework. It's a balanced budget, but there are exceptions. I think that's just for, you know, those people who want to be reassured that this is a conservative government. Vast majority of the public, they're hoping they just see the headlines, which is Smith is spending on this, that, and the next thing. I love Smith. I love UCP. Vote early, vote often. I I, I think it was just that. I, I, I don't think they're worried about trying to, you know, line up with conservative philosophy or or anything. They are throwing out a few things that might appeal to conservatives if they really, really look hard at the budget. But I think it's big spend, vote for us, period. And one of the things I was kind of surprised about is is Travis Davis was asked about the looming election and how the budget played into it. And he, and he tr- kind of tried to say, well, that's not really what our focus was. What was your take on that? Like, is this, in your mind, anything other than an election budget? No, it was an election budget because I, I can say this now. I had my own little few minutes with Travis Taves in which he said concerning the budget that he was, the first quote I believe in the column was that he was concerned about May 29th. He was concerned that the NDP could win or might win or what would be the consequences if they did win. So right off the top, he stated to me that he was concerned about the election and that he wanted to present a budget which would convince people to continue to support the UCP. So I think for the finance minister, of course it was a pre-election budget. He said so. He said, I, you know, almost a direct quote, I'm concerned about the May 29th election. And he is. And he is because it's not what it was four years ago when you know, the UCP under former Premier Jason Kenney won by 22.2 points. Looking at the budget overall, and without getting too deep into the weeds, where do you think Alberta and Daniel Smith and Travis Taves got it right with this fiscal plan? Well, I may not agree completely with the, you know, the details of the affordability. Uh, I actually wanted an even more expansive affordability package. But that being said, They did focus on affordability. Big, big issue here, and I know it's a big issue in Edmonton and in many rural areas, is they also focused on public safety. They also focused on the addictions file, and they also put money into health care. You just have to read probably their internal polling and the external polling to show that those files are files that Albertans are very concerned about. So the fact that they did target those files, you can have great disagreements about whether their targeting will be effective or was the right right way to do things, but they at least did say affordability is an issue, healthcare is an issue, public safety is an issue, the addiction crisis is in fact a crisis. Yeah, so I think on that, they did identify some of the top line items it wasn't really that hard a task to figure this out, by the way, but they did do it. They still did do it. So 
credit where credit's due. On the flip side, though, you know, you mentioned some of these areas like like these big spending increases. Overall, is is that where there were missteps in the budget? The fact that you know we're still dealing with, and I, it's almost like I hate the phrase we hear it so often in Alberta, the the oil royalty roller coaster. Is it in the spending plan that you feel feel there were missteps, or are there are other areas there where you just kind of made you wonder, like, what were they thinking? I'm going to have a rather unorthodox view here, but uh, Dave, you know I'm kind of an unorthodox guy, <laughs> yeah. and and uh, uh, so I, you know, I've always said that Albertans are not really conservative. They like spending; they just don't like taxes. So they have always voted for governments who have spent a lot, and that's why, as was mentioned in the look in the mirror comment a few years back, they funded you know the largest provincial governments in Canada, uh, claiming to be conservatives. There might be some people who have this complaint. I have the complaint because I think it goes to this issue of them spending a lot because you know it goes probably to issues of trust. I think the mistake isn't the budget as well. From a financial point of view, it may be a mistake relying so heavily on resource revenue to continue the spending. I mean, what would it take to keep a balanced budget? Lots of oil money. So same old, same old. But I think the mistake, if there was one, is in thinking that the budget would be such a spend-orama delicious offering that that would be enough to vault the UCP, you know, right into the playoffs and beyond, that they would really start creating some huge space between themselves and the NDP going into the election. Now, that may happen. I want to be on the record saying that may, in fact, happen because it's still early days. We're still talking about the budget. It was just a few days ago. So that could end up happening, but it may not happen. And and if it doesn't happen, they're still going to have to deal with why is it that they aren't up 22 points? Because if they gained 11 points and the NDP lost 11 points, that would be 22 points. So why haven't they gained those points? Why is this such a contentious election, at least as the pollsters tell us? I think I, I don't know, and I'm being very clear, I don't know. If the budget per se is the answer, capital T, capital H, capital E, to that question. I think they think it's a big part of the answer. I'm just not sure at the moment. Yeah, and I mean, talking about polls, and I know that individual polls are, are kind of snapshots in time, but they do kind of give you a sense of, of where the public is at. And you wrote in your most recent column about some polling that was done after the budget was tabled. And it doesn't appear, at least, to have given the UCP a bump. Now, is that just because the budget is one of those kind of big documents and, and you know, there's several days afterwards of, of the government going out there and pumping its tires and saying, look at all the spending that we're doing in these individual areas and we'll get a cavalcade of press conferences after the budget. And so there's people are still digesting it. Or is it that despite all these headlines that say kind of big spending and we're in a good place financially and all that, that voters aren't really sold so far? It's hard to tell. This is early innings. It's a few days. You know, the budget is is still fairly 
fresh, and there will be, like you said, more announcements. And I think the advantage is still with the UCP because of the way the electoral map shapes up, and we can talk about that if you want at some point. But the fact that the undecided vote in the latest poll has actually gone up and that most of that undecided vote is actually coming from UCP voters from the last election. Mr. Coletto of Abacus Data has called that the reluctant UCPers. These are the people that would be PC voters, not Wild Rose voters. They would be people that might have even voted for former Mayor Nenshi or current Mayor Gondek in Calgary, rather than Farkas, who was, of course, the small C conservative candidate. Uh, these might be people who voted for Allison Redford, not the Wild Rose, who voted for former Premier Prentice in the 2015 election. That's where some of that undecided vote is. And that is where, you know, the UCP and, and Premier Smith are going to have to, they're not going to have to get all of those people, but they're going to have to get the lion's share of those people to vote, to mark the X at the end of May, which I think they could do. But it doesn't look like they've done it yet. We'll be right back. You talk about the electoral map and and how that can really kind of sway things. I think the easiest to understand level you have kind of three voting blocks in Alberta. And I know they don't always vote the same way, but you have Edmonton kind of as its own region and you have rural Alberta as its own region. And then you have Calgary as its own region. And that's not, that's not to discount places like Lethbridge that elect the NDP and regularly or, or other writings like that, but you have these kind of three voting blocks. And as of right now, kind of everyone is talking about how Calgary is going to decide the election. The NDP is expected probably to win most, if not all seats in Edmonton proper, could potentially swing back a couple of seats in the ring around Edmonton, although that remains to be seen. Rural Alberta expected to largely go for Daniel Smith and the UCP. And so, so that leaves Calgary. But I mean, as of right now in, in Calgary, there's a big debate as to whether the budget did enough to help UCP fortunes in Calgary. And how does how does that play in here? And are there other pieces to the kind of electoral calculus that involve Calgary that is of concern to the UCP right now? Well, let's let's uh, let's go go at this uh, one at a time, which is remember a while back, Premier Smith talked to me about her strategy and then later they kind of walked it back a little. But I actually think it is their strategy. And I think you remember that, Dave, where she talked about the UCP having 39 seats outside Calgary, city of Calgary, city of Edmonton, and trying to hold the overwhelming majority of those 39 seats. Remember, podcast listeners, the magic number is 44 or 45. So if they have 39, let's say they lose one of the Lethbridge seats, 38. Let's say they lose the Canmore, Banff area, 37. Let's give them a couple in the donut around Edmonton. Let's give them a couple. I hope you don't mind, Dave, if I give a couple to the NDP there. Now we're at 35. So they're starting at 35. So they need nine. Nine in either Edmonton or Calgary. So let's say they win zero. Let's say Casey Medu does not win and nobody else wins from the UCP in Edmonton. Okay, that's nine they have to win in Calgary. Calgary has 26. Right now the NDP has 
three of the 26. So nine. There are a half dozen seats in Calgary, in the south of the city and in the affluent straight west of the city that are like, if they don't go conservative, we're going to have a landslide for the NDP. So I'll be nice. I'll, I'll give the UCP those six, which means they only have to win three in the remaining 20 seats. Now, what does that mean in the real world? It means the NDP have to win quite deep into suburban Calgary. And what I mean by deep into means it has to go beyond what I would call the working class riding. It has to go beyond Northeast Calgary. Uh, It has to go into the solidly middle class suburban ridings of Calgary. And the NDP doesn't have to win all of the seats in that demographic, but they have to win some of them. And, you know, that's going to be a challenge. I'm not saying they can't do it, but that's going to be a challenge because those seats traditionally, you know, tend to lean, obviously, conservative and they're more affluent. So, you know, you're, you know, people are talking about Calgary Elbow, you know, wanting to win Calgary Elbow. Well, Calgary Elbow is, you know, Mount Royal. Calgary Elbow is a lot of the most affluent neighborhoods in in, uh, Calgary. Now, they have quite a, they've elected a liberal in a by-election, and there is a tradition there of a strong, and they have the Alberta party with Greg Clark, so it can be done, but those are the kinds of seats they have to win. So that's how the electoral map is a challenge for them. When Travis Taves was down at the Chamber, the Chamber of Commerce in Calgary last Thursday, I was there, and they had a scrum, and half the questions were about downtown revitalization. And then uh, yesterday, the Premier was available, and she was asked about downtown revitalization. If I were to say something about the downtown revitalization story, I would say the first element of downtown revitalization, probably in Edmonton, as well as Calgary, is public safety. If you were to ask people in Calgary, first of all, whether they even care about downtown revitalization, because the vast, vast majority of the population here live in the burbs. But if you were to ask most people in those burbs what they think about revitalizing downtown, and then you gave them three options. One, feeling less scared on the transit, feeling less scared when you get off the transit in downtown. That's option one. Option two, give developers boatloads of money to change their buildings into residential. Or C, put more post-secondary, because there is some already downtown, downtown. I think the first priority would be overwhelmingly uh, have downtown as a safer place to go. That doesn't disqualify the other two. But I think with downtown revitalization, that issue, if I did a column on that versus a column on, Smith, why don't you give developers lots of money to revamp their buildings, I could tell you which one would have the higher readership easily. It would be the law and order one, because if you look at cities that have revitalized, even going back to old the Big Apple, when that revitalization happened with a strong emphasis on making the area more safe, I think that's an issue where the NDP hasn't said a lot. And the UCP has sort of led on that. And in fact, I've talked to the NDP and I've asked them, when are you coming out with your public safety proposals? And I'm sure they will. 
it's it's hard to tell exactly where Calgarians are at. I think there are people who still just have concerns about Danielle Smith. And I think that's going to be a factor. It would be a factor if the election was today. I don't know if it would be a determining factor. They don't have, I think, as strong a sense of the current premier as they even had of the former premier. And I, I guess, you know, I wonder, and you kind of touched on this, what is it that Rachel Notley and the NDP need to do to really kind of solidify themselves or put themselves in the position to win? Or or did this budget give them any openings to do that? It, it did, in the sense of it's one thing to commit money and spend money, but that does not necessarily guarantee that the money you're spending is is getting you the results you want. So I think there still is a lot of debate. I think the affordability, I mean, we haven't seen the party platforms yet, obviously. Uh, I would I would not be surprised, by the way, breaking news, if the UCP has more affordability measures promised during the election. Because the NDP has been hitting hard on these affordability measures are going to go up in smoke a month after the election. So I'm telling this podcast first, I think that could be uh, an area of the UCP. So, you know, they're on those issues, on those core issues, the NDP can still push for a different approach to those issues, which they believe will you know, appeal to Albertans more. So the spending is there, but that does not necessarily mean the results are there or the spending choices within the envelope of money is is the proper one. The NDP are going to have to flesh that out. And number two, is there, and I'm just asking this question, I don't know if there is, but is there a trust issue with Smith? I mean, I'm not talking about personal attacks. I'm talking about is there... You know, the latest poll shows that even in Calgary, her positives and her negatives are about the same. Now, Kenny wasn't exactly, you know, Mr. Happy in 2019. He wasn't necessarily Mr. Popularity, blue truck or no blue truck. But people had a sense in Calgary that he was competent. I'm not I'm not saying this is all true. I'm saying that's the sense they had in 2019 that he was competent, that he was smart, that he had a proven track record as a senior cabinet minister in a federal conservative government. They weren't necessarily going to invite him out for a Jamesons. You know, he wasn't necessarily going to be their best buddy, but I think they felt that he was competent and steady. Now, is that is that also true? of how they see Danielle Smith as competent and steady and even a bit on the boring side. I would say some people, that is still an open question. That is still a question that they are thinking about their answer. Because people ask, you know, obviously part of Kenny's 22-point landslide was the fact that the NDP were the incumbents, the fact there was a lot of pushback on the NDP when they were uh, in power, and Kenny ran a campaign very focused, jobs, economy, pipelines, Trudeau, and the carbon tax. Boom, 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 boom. And the NDP ran a not-so-good campaign focusing on other stuff that was not as high on the priority list. I think the NDP have learned from that and will be 
far more focused this time. Again, I think there are in that undecided vote, particularly small C conser- people who see themselves as small C conservatives, there are still people internally debating within themselves about who they believe Daniel Smith to be. And as I say, they don't need Premier Happy. They just need somebody, especially in Calgary, I think, because this is a town where, you know, there's a a corporate town. I think trust and competence will be an issue. And and the other question you'll undoubtedly ask is about, you know, they'll go after Notley for the Notley record from 2015 to 2019. So the NDP has to have an answer to that. Because last week I asked at an availability, Dave, the former premier, what will you say on a debate stage when they go after your record? And she said it was a bit premature to talk about that because they haven't discussed that yet. Well, but they'll have to discuss it by the time of the debate because it's not often we have a former premier running to be premier again. So that will also be an unknown and intangible and we'll see where it goes. But the NDP have to stick to bread and butter issues. I don't care what they're, you know, if I was advising them, you know, their base is just going to have to suck it up. This is if they want to go off on some other issues. It's meat and potatoes that's going to win this. Yeah, and I, I know that it's a, it's going to be a sprint to get us to the finish line there. And it's an election that I think not just Albertans, but Canadians will be watching in the weeks to come. Rick, always a pleasure. Thanks for your time. Anytime, dude. 10-3 is produced by Tyler Dawson. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Rick Bell. More from him at calgarysun.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.